unbelievable. Man, I love this. I think it was uh, this time last year I was here, and uh, it's such an honor to be back in this church. There is so much energy in this place. Uh, you know, they might lose the power in this nation, but I tell you, the energy, the power from this house could light up every house in this nation. Someone believe that? Give it God, God a shout. Before I go any further, I do want to uh, honor the great pastors of this house, uh, Pastor Mike and Joy. And uh, I, I, I want to salute you guys. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you're one of the greats of this nation. And uh, I just uh, count it an incredible privilege to, to be standing in the pulpit of your house and uh, to be preaching amongst your people. Give your pastors a great hand. Come on, love on them. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hey, you got your Bibles, I'd like you to open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. And when you've found that, why don't you stand to your feet? Great. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can stand up as well. We won't leave you out there. But why don't you stand to your feet? You can hold your hand in that page. Why don't we just lift our hands right across this place? Let's open up our hearts. Open up our spirits to hear from God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we honor your word. Father, we come to you today, Lord God. We give you all the glory, the honor, the praise. Father, we thank you, Lord, not just for what you've done, but Father, we thank you for what you're about to do in our lives. Father, we seek you right now. We ask that you come and speak to us, Lord God. We pray for change in our lives, we pray. I haven't come, Lord God, just to bring a motivational message, not just to bring information, to bring a revelation that's going to produce transformation in the lives of people, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As you're sitting down, tell the person next to you, get ready, get ready, get ready. There was a recording company uh, a number of decades ago by the name of Decca Records. One day, a band came to them, and uh, as many bands do when they want to, uh, you know, get their albums produced and get marketed, they will go to a recording company, and they went to Decca Records, and Decca Records had to listen to what they, uh, you know, had to play, and uh, they stopped at the end, and they said, look, uh, we don't believe that uh, this, you, you as a band really has any future uh, we don't think that anyone's going to listen to you, so sorry, uh, we're going to have to turn this opportunity down. And, uh, you know, so that band, they went on to uh, another recording company. Uh, the problem was that there was an opportunity of a lifetime that Decca Records missed out on uh, because the name of that band was The Beatles. The Beatles went on to become one of the great rock and roll bands of all times. Uh, there was another man by the name of Walt Disney. Walt Disney, we all know, he was the guy behind Mickey Mouse and uh, Disneyland. Walt Disney, uh, when, in his early years of his life, he decided, uh, you know, I want to set up this company. So he approached his brother, he approached his, his uncle and said, look, I need some investors into uh, this company. Uh, uh, and, and so can you uh, give me $500 and uh, just invest that into uh, my company? And what I'll do is uh, I'll make you one of the partners in this company. So what happens is the, the, the brother says, sure thing, and gives him $500. The, the uncle says, no, 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 I don't want to be a, uh, you know, a partner in this company. Just pay me back. An opportunity of a lifetime missed him out because his brother became a multimillionaire. His uncle got $500 back. 
opportunity of your lifetime. I want to talk today about two, two men of God in the, in the Word of God. One man's name is Elijah. Elijah is an incredible man of God. You would have heard him uh, about him many times from this pulpit, I'm sure. Elijah was famous throughout his region in the time. He was the man of God. He was the man that carried the mantle of the Lord. He was the man that, uh, you know, that went around. He was famous uh, for consulting kings, raising people from the dead. He was fed by uh, ravens, uh, uh, not by raisins, uh, by ravens. Better get that one right. He was mostly known for standing up to 850 prophets. They had confronted him. They killed off all the other prophets. He was the only one that was left and they confronted him. And so he said to them, he said, look, let's do this. Let's build an altar and uh, we'll build this altar. And what we'll do is uh, I'll let you pray to your God and I'll pray to my God. And the God that answers by fire, by burning and consuming this fire, the God that answers by fire, he is God. And so what takes place is that they, they think this is, this is easy. There's 850 of us. There's one of you. We've got this down. And Elijah says, go on, you guys have a go. And so he moved off to the side. And, and so what they did is they started to chant. They started to pray and seek their God, a uh, little G. And, 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 and what happened was is that as they were doing that, they were getting frustrated. They started to shout a little louder. They started to cut their bodies. And, you know, after many hours of uh, excruciating pain and losing their voices, uh, you know, Elijah starts mocking him. He's like, oh, what sort of God are you serving? I'm, I'm, <laughs> the God you're serving, he's obviously not around. He's obviously not alive. And he would mock them. After a while of mocking her, they said, well, you know, you think you got the goods then uh, why don't you ever go, Elijah? So Elijah says, yeah, that's fine, but let's make it a little more difficult. Uh, why don't we, you know, just fill this thing up with water? And so he soaked the, the altar in water and what he did is he got on his knees and Elijah was a man of prayer. He, he wasn't afraid to pray. We need to be people like Elijah, not afraid to pray. And, and, and he prayed and, and, and literally, as he said, uh, the, the God that answered by fire, he is God. And a ball of fire came down from heaven and consumed that fire. The whole nation was turned back to God as a result of that. But not long after that, what happened was, is that, you know, uh, the, the king told a, a, a lady by the name of Jezebel, uh, you know, who had a lot of influence in witchcraft and, and told her all you know, about it. And, and she said to him, I'm out to kill you. You're going to end up like a lot of these other prophets. And so he freaked out and, and ran away. And in this moment of, 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 of trying to figure out what's going on, God came to him and he spoke to him. And uh, we're going to look at verses 19. Uh, sorry, we're going to start. Actually, we're going to go back a little bit more. We're going to go at verses 15. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 15. God speaks to Elijah and he says, When you get down to this place, I want you to anoint the king over Aram and also anoint Jehu, the king over Israel. And then he says, I want you to anoint Elijah, the son of Shaphat from Abel, to succeed you as a prophet. I want you to know this, is that God is thinking about the next generation. I tell you that God is a generational God. It's great to be in a church where I see a number of different generations from babies right through to the older generation. God is into generations. But you've got to understand is that God is thinking about the next generation. I was thinking about a relay race, a relay race. Uh, you know, what, what happens is, is that there is a, a track, uh, uh, 400 meters, and a relay race, you need four runners. 
Each of the runners, they must run 100 metres each. And, and, and the idea of the track is the first team that gets around the entire track past the finish line is the winning team. But the thing is this, that if you get around the entire track and you forget to take the baton, then you get disqualified. There's a baton that's similar to this microphone here, about so long. And, and what, what happens is, is that so you run around, when you finish your 100 metres, you'll approach the next runner, and the idea is that you take the baton that's in your hand that you've been running with, and you hand it on to the next pl- person. And what they do is they receive it, and then they run. Their job is to run as hard as they can with that baton till they get to the next person. Then they pass the baton on, the next person goes. The point is this, is that, you know, I was looking, uh, and as mentioned, and I'm about to plant a church, and I'm finding myself looking at, you know, what was Jesus' method? How did he win, you know, his, the people at his time? And I found, you know, in the early stage of his life, what does he do? He, he gathers to him a number of disciples. He, he brings the, 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 the men of God. He says, come, follow me. Uh, I'm not going to make you fishers of fish anymore. I'm going to make fishers of men. And so he gathers to him 12 men. What happens for the next three and a half years, what he does is he sows his life. He eats with them. He talks with them. He ministers with them. He does miracles and signs and wonders with them. Literally what he's doing is he's taking everything that he's received and he's handing that on to his disciples. And then what happens is, is after Jesus dies, he raised from the dead. And, uh, you know, 40 days later, what happens is he leaves his planet. What happens is, is that at that point, he passes the baton on. And he says to his disciples, now it's your turn, go. Go and preach the gospel to all. Go go make disciples of all nations. And so at that point, the church was birthed. And what happened was, since the, 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 the days of the book of Acts, what's happened from there down to here, generation after generation, the baton's been handed on. And here you are today. November 2007, you're sitting in an auditorium. You're sitting here as a result of a man of God that has handed something on to you. That there may have been a woman of God. It may have been someone that sowed. It could have been a mom. It could have been a dad. But someone took notice in your life. They took interest and they sowed into your life. Maybe the discipleship has been around sitting in church week in, week out under the great pastors of this house and they've sowed into your life. And I want you to know is that there comes a point where we've got to take what God has put in us and pass it on to the next generation. See, you've got to understand is that God is into this discipleship. And so God speaks to him and says, I want you to go down. I want you to find this guy by the name of Elijah and I want you to anoint him because he's going to succeed you as a prophet. Now, I had a, a title for my message today. I was going to call it an opportunity of a lifetime, but uh, I'm just shifting the name right now. I'm going to call it Positioning Yourself for Double. The reason I'm calling it the Positioning Yourself for Double is this. Elijah, we, 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 if you read on, and we, we're not going to do that today for time, but uh, Elijah goes on and, and he does incredible signs and wonders. It says that, you know, once uh, Elijah left, he received a double portion. He received double that which Elijah had, double power, double the glory. You can understand that he carried a, a, another level of office. Of, of, he, he, he was the man that had a double portion. And so some of the miracles that happened in his time, he, you know, he healed bad, bad water. Uh, I'm presuming what took place is it was uh, water that was undrinkable. And so he did a miracle and it was then drinkable. Uh, uh, Elijah at one stage was going into a particular town and there were 42 youth that turned up and they started mocking him. And they were saying, go ahead, baldy. Go on, go in that place, baldy. And they was mocking the bald guy. And so what did he do is he it said that he cursed them and two bears ran out of the, out of the woods and, and mauled all 42 of them. 
So I just want to give you a warning, you. Don't mock a bald man. It's not a good thing. wonder what would happen. And maybe a couple of Kiwis would come out and pick you. I don't know. Who knows? But he was known also for consulting kings, raising people from the dead. At one stage, he fed 100 people when they only had a small amount of food. He raised an axe head. I don't know if you've ever tried raising an axe head. It's pretty difficult. One time, an army came towards him to wipe him out. And he said, God, strike these, strike these people blind. And what happened was is God did exactly that. And they couldn't see. They were able to escape. Elijah had a double portion. And I want to just figure out today, how is it that he positioned himself to receive that double portion? So let's just move down to verses 19. So 1 Kings 19, verses 19. So Elijah went from there and he found Elijah, the son of Shaphat, and he was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elijah then left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my mother and father goodbye, he said, and then I will come after you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him, went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, and then he burned the plow equipment, cooked the meat, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. So let's just get this picture. Elijah comes down to the field and there are 12 yoke of oxen. They are plowing the field. They're breaking up the ground. So you've got these oxen. They're, they're like cows, bulls, okay? Bulls. And, 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 and so they're, they're with the plow equipment and they're, they're breaking down the soil. Now, Elijah, who he sent him down to, it, it says there that he was in the 12th pier. He was at the back and, and he was doing his job. I, I got thinking about this. Uh, I'm sure many times uh, Elijah, you know, was, was thoughting, thinking to himself, you know, here I am. I'm the 12th pair. I, I would have thought that, you know, I, I could be up in number one, two, three or four. You know, I, I, I'm sure inside of me, I, I've got what it takes to be way down the front. And, and, but, but no, no, no. My circumstances, my situation has got me way back here in the 12th pair. Why bring that up as this, is that for a lot of you in this place, you know, your desire is to do something great for God. You want to see the miracles, the signs and wonders, and you hear your great pastors of the great trips they do, and you see the miracles take place in the house, and you sit there, you get inspired, and you go, man, I wish I could do something great for God. But, but you don't understand, Kyria, I, I, I'm, I, I feel I'm that 12th pair, I'm way back here. And I want you to know that sometimes when you're sitting way back in this area, you think that no one's there. No one can see what's going on in your life. But I want you to know, even though man not may have noticed, I want you to know God notices what's happening in your life. God knows what's going in your world. He knows your heart. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 5, 6, that blessed is a man that hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so you can understand that when we hunger and thirst for the things of God, no matter where you are in the things of God, no matter where you are positioned in life, I want you to know if you hunger and thirst for the things of God, God knows. So here, here he is. He's in the 12th pair. He's way at the back. And he, he's plowing aloud. I, I need a, a volunteer here, buddy. Can you just come up here and give him a hand as he comes up? Just move this back here. Uh, just, just, just stand here. All right, you, you're, no, there, there. All right, so you, you're, you're Elijah, okay? Okay, I'm Elijah, the man of God, okay? And, uh, all right. 
And so, so what's happening here is, can, can you just stand? You're plowing the field, right? Okay. You look like you're a motorbike there. Come on. But, you know, like, there we go. All right. Freeze. Stay still. All right. So, so what happens is, is that here we have Elijah. And, and what he does is he, he steps out of, uh, you know, his, his daily time. God has spoken to him to go down and anoint Elijah. And so what happens is he goes down on the field. And what he does is he, he, he removes his jacket cloak and he takes his cloak and and get it off for me and he goes along and he throws his cloak his jacket his mantle throws over the top of him keeps walking now you've got to understand is that this this jacket represented something the jacket that elijah had was the the, the mantle that the, the positioning that he was that, that represented that he was the the high priest he, he was a, he was the man of god for that time and and that hour so so i want you to it's just like today i mean a few weeks ago prior to me leaving uh you know sydney i, I was at manly beach I was down there with my kids in the sun enjoying a beautiful sun at the beach it was a good time and i looked over because there was a crowd of people that were gathering and amongst that crowd i, I saw this this uh this, uh, uh, what was uh, a girl that was dressed in a white gown. She was dressed up. She looked incredibly good looking. And, and next to her was a guy that was also dressed up. And, but when I looked at the girl in this white gown, I looked at her, this, this veil thing. I knew straight away that she was a, a bride. Okay, exactly. And, and so, and, and you know, next to these, in front of them, there was this, this man, the older looking gentleman that had uh, this little white collar here. And I knew straight away that this guy was a, a priest, a Catholic priest. And, and so I knew straight away, why? Because the gown, the cl- clothing they're wearing represented what they were doing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Perth and uh, uh, preaching in Perth. And so when I was in Perth preaching, I'm walking down the street and I saw a man in camouflaged clothing. And straight away, I recognized this man was a, a soldier or someone in the armed forces. And so just like it is in today's times, uh, uniforms or clothing sometimes represents the office that they were in. And so Elijah places the, the, the mantle, the jacket, the, the cloak over the shoulders of Elijah in the middle of his day work. I want you to know this, that sometimes opportunities of a lifetime come when you least expect it. Listen to me. Opportunities of a lifetime come when you least expect it. And so what he does is he, he places it and he carries on walking. He doesn't engage in conversation. He just carries on. Now, Elijah's stuck over here and he, 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 he's, he's doing his work. I mean, he's probably been a hard day, a lot of sun, and he's got sweat on his brow. He probably can't wait to get home. And, and he's there and, and then something drops on his shoulders. And, and he starts looking at it. Now, he was a man that obviously only God. God had recognized who he was. So he would have straight away known, ha, ha. This, I've, I've seen this before. And he would have definitely known about Elijah. He would have heard the stories, the rumors that, that had gone about, about the, the man that had called down fire from heaven. And so, you know, he, he looks at it and he realized, I've just been given, or I've just had placed on my shoulders the jacket, the, the, the cloak of the man of God. An opportunity of a lifetime came his way when he least expected and so what does he do? He, he, he straight away at that point, uh, he, he drops his equipment and he runs over to the man of God. And he runs over to the man of God. Now, now get this, is that at this point, uh, there was no discussion about, uh, you know, what he was going to get paid. He, there was no discussion about when he was going to get his first miracle, his first opportunity to preach the gospel. 
And what he does is he comes over to him. He's got this cloak around him. This is an opportunity. Now, you've got to understand, Elijah had never done this before. How do we know that? Well, uh, firstly, uh, had he done this, he wouldn't have had a jacket to give away. He would have been given another one, another piece of clothing. But uh, maybe what, what it was is that there was, there's nowhere else in the Bible that states that. But it's an opportunity of a lifetime that comes. And what happens is he runs over to the man of God and, and he says to him, he says, look, uh, what I need to do is I just need to go back to my mum and dad and give them a kiss. And what happens is, is that Elijah turns to him and says, go back, what is it I've done to you? Now, in another translation or another way we can look into this is he could be saying, go back and consider what I've offered to you. Go and consider this opportunity of a lifetime. And so what happens is, is that Elijah then run, Elijah comes over and, and what he does is he goes back to his oxen, his bull. And what happens is, is he slaughters him. Just hold a second. At the point an opportunity of a lifetime comes, what happens is, is at those moments that we can easily come up with all sorts of excuses and, and reasons why we cannot serve the man of God. Uh, we were in church on a Sunday morning and the pastor says, hey, we've got an event coming up and we need some people to get involved. Can, can there be people that just come and see us after? We need people to help out with this. We need help. We need some leaders, connect group leaders. We need some people to get in the creative team. We need some people as ushers. We, we need some people in the information desk. And these are opportunities of a lifetime. And what happens is it gets presented, but it's at those moments that we go, oh, you know, but pastor, I, I'd really like to be involved, but look, I'm really sorry because uh, you don't understand because uh, uh, Friday night, uh, you know, uh, I, I'd like to help out in youth, but, uh, but pastor, there's a really good TV program on. And uh, oh, I mean, family, uh, you know, just got to have time with the family. And so, uh, you know, I've got to do that. And so these excuses come as an opportunity of your life. And what happens? Excuses come. What happens, though, is that Elijah comes back, and, and he comes back to his, his, his uh, oxen and his plow. And what he does is he breaks up his plow. So break up your plow. Okay, get a bit of volant. All right, that's good. And then what it does is it said that he slaughtered his oxen. So cut, cut up the bull, right? Very good. Thank you. Get this is that what happens is, is that when an opportunity of a lifetime comes, excuses come. But the idea is that we've got to do what Elijah does and go back and cut the bull. Listen to me, we've got to cut the bull. We've got to cut the stuff out that stops us from serving the man of God. Just cut the bull. Get rid of that stuff that holds you back from serving the man of God and building the church, building the kingdom of God. Give him a hand as he goes back. And so, so what happens is, is, a, is, a, is a, he cuts a bull. Now, what, what he was representing there was that I am cutting up the bull. I'm, I'm getting rid of the stuff. And he was literally destroying his livelihood, his business, his security. And I want you to know this, that every single one of us has security blankets as a kid. You know, you may have had blanket, it might have been a teddy bear, but see, as you get older, what happens is we, we find our security in a house, in a job, in a relationship. But I want you to know what he does is he runs back and he cuts those things out of his life. And I want you to know there may be things that we need to cut out of our life. There may be things that are holding us back from, from, from receiving double portion. I don't know what it is. It could be sin. It could be uh, a relationship. But we've got to get back. We've got to destroy that thing. I'm not saying you give up your job. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that you have to turn your back on your family. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is this, there's things that we need to cut and destroy. You hearing what I'm saying? 
And then what he did is he fed them all. And at that point, it says that he then went after the man of God. And he attended to his needs. I want you to know in this place, that was an opportunity of his lifetime. And he positioned himself right. How did he position himself for double portion? How did he position himself to receive double anointing? What he did was, is he got rid of his security and he ran after the man of God and attended to his needs. And I want you to know this, as I said beforehand, the baton, the the whole idea is I believe that, that God wants every generation to be more powerful than the previous generation. I believe as the baton's been passed on, the idea is and the principle that was trying to show here is that God wants the next generation to, to, to go to the next level on the things of God. There's one generation that builds a foundation for the next generation, but that's a foundation for the next generation. There's a time where you're going to see signs and wonders and miracles take place in this nation like you've never seen before. And I want you to know we've got as people position ourselves we've got to position ourselves and say yes pastor I will I will serve I will attend to your needs I will help attend and build the kingdom of God right across this place after my message here I really feel this people are saying hey Kerry that's me I want that double portion and I really felt you know yesterday when I was just praying for this morning that there's just one thing I can do is just to raise up another. If I, if I could raise up an army of volunteers or raise up a, an army of people that would lay their lives down to build the kingdom of God, to build his church, to attend to the pastor's needs, we position ourselves for double. What I want to do is very surely I want to give an opportunity for people today to respond. And maybe you've been that person that has had excuses uh, that, 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 that things have cropped up. And maybe that's just one of those character flaws that you've always just said, oh, look, I don't want that responsibility. But you've said today, so now I've recognized that I, I need to cut the bull. I need to get rid of that stuff in my life. And then very shortly, I, I'm going to ask people to respond by positioning themselves to receive that. But before I do that, uh, this morning, I, I, I want to give people an opportunity to, to meet God. I mentioned beforehand that uh, I'm about to plant a church. And why, why does someone, you know, leave the security of their jobs and go and plant a church where there is no security, that there is nothing? The, the reason there's a passion on the inside of me because I know that people need God. People need Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to give an opportunity. Maybe you've turned up here today. Maybe you're invited along to the service by a friend or family member. You've turned up here today and you've never heard or seen what you saw this morning. I want you to know God is alive. There is energy in God. There's power in God to turn your life around. And if you just allow yourself and position yourself, I want you to know you'll be able to receive from God today. So what I ask you to do is close your eyes across this room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.